Welcome everyone to another episode of A Sister and Her Mister. Today we have Rebecca Connect. She is a fellow sister from the sisterhood who was diagnosed with PCOS at the age of 14. Like many of us, she was put on metformin, birth control, and spironolactone and told to just lose weight. Rebecca is going to share her story on how she was able to find her carb tolerance with the app, lose 13 pounds with PCOS in two months, and improve her symptoms. By the way, Tyne and I had a whole debate whether Rebecca's last name is Connect or Necked, because there's a K in the front, and we confirmed it was Connect. Doctor said you got PCOS. Now go on, girl, just lose some weight. Till I took the symptoms into my own hands and reversed them naturally. So I became a dietitian to help my sisters feel the best they've ever felt. Take a step in my direction if you wanna prove them wrong and take control of yourself. Join a sister and a All right, Rebecca, let's dive right into it. We're so excited to have you. Hi, how are you guys? Doing good, doing good. Good. Um, I'm glad to be actually, here. Same. We actually, for our listeners, we had a Instagram live with Rebecca. I think it was about like maybe a month ago. And it was a really great, um, insightful live where sisters learned about Rebecca's journey, how she was able to reverse some of her symptoms, lose weight, and just what her journey has been like with PCOS. So we're going to continue that conversation here, get more uh, in depth about it and just listen to Rebecca's um, experience with PCOS. So I guess that brings us to our first question for, for you, Rebecca, is what was it like when you were first originally diagnosed with PCOS? Yeah, so I was fit, right around 14, 15. So it's been, a, I, I've been diagnosed for a really long time, which I have to say I'm lucky in that sense because I feel like a lot of what I see on the Facebook page is women in their th- 20s and 30s who are just finding out. And that's like a relief, I'm sure. But um, so I was about 15. And I was having all of your classic symptoms. So irregular periods, her student was the big one. I think I mentioned this in the live, like I got teased and made fun of for having sideburns. And and of course, you're like a, a freshman in high school. And that's like the biggest nightmare ever. And I was new. I had gone from private school to public school, so I didn't have any friends. <laughs> so I, was like, uh-huh. I was like, oh, my God, like, mom, I need I was like something's wrong. Like, I, and of course, horrible acne, hair shedding like crazy, like you name it. And, and I had it. And so I went to an OBG, which my dad, of course, at that age was not thrilled about. But, um, you know, I'm like, Why? Oh, isn't that normal? Or shouldn't you, shouldn't you be going um, to the OBGYN? Well, I think it's a little bit later unless you're sexually active. Oh. And so oh, my dad's thinking like, because uh, well, it ended up they prescribed me birth control. And so my dad was like, what the, you know, like freaking. And I'm like, dad, this is for a totally different reason. I think maybe he thought me and my mom were trying to pull something on him or something. Oh my God, that's hilarious. I I remember, and maybe this is TMI, but I remember being in the office and she was like, are you sexually active? And I said, no, because I wasn't. And my mom was like sitting there and she goes, do you want me to have your mom leave the room? And I was like, (laughs) no, no, I'm really not. (laughs) I'm a child, basically, like. But um, so so we went to my primary care first and he was like, I think you should see a, a, an OBG and see what they say. So she ran, um, she wanted to get my testosterone um, levels checked. So that was the first thing she did. And she was really great because she actually right off the bat was like, 
there's this thing called polycystic ovarian syndrome. I don't really know much about it, but you're kind of showing all of the classic signs for it. And so I got my testosterone measured and it was way high. I don't know the number. It was so long ago, but concerningly high. And so she was pretty much immediately like, I'm pretty sure this is what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was put on uh, just the birth control and spironolactone or aldactone. Um, and that's how I managed, quote, managed it for six or seven years. Mm-hmm. Did, the, uh, did Eventually, I went on metformin. Did the doctor ever explain why you had high levels of testosterone or any of the symptoms? Zero information. Oh, okay. It was, you have high. So, you know, until I started doing research later on in life, I just thought like, this is it. This is just how my body is. And I'm just always going to produce this excessive amount of testosterone. And I'm going to be on this medications the rest of my life. And so that was just, I just kind of took it for what it was worth. And of course, when you're 14, you're not asking questions, you know, I'm not thinking about what questions should I ask them. And my mom doesn't really come from a a medical background or anything. So you're just trusting your doctor. Right. And that was, I think, I mean, and and like I said, it was fine. I had a lot of, like I had, they could categorize me as, um, what are they called? Like slim PCOS or like, cause I wasn't like, yeah. yeah, but I, still like gained I my weight fluctuated really crazy and in college I was in um I was on the rowing team I was like a division one rower and I look at pictures I was so big and it's because I was like well I'm rowing every day so I was eating and drinking and lifting weights so I was was putting on a lot of muscle but I had so much extra like excessive fat from just eating whatever the hell I wanted and thinking well I'm burning so much calories from rowing every day and that wasn't, <laughs> wasn't the I case. I think it's so interesting to note here that you were doing things that are technically healthy. Like you were working out, you know, and oh, yeah. um, you, it's not like you were sitting there eating candy all day and suddenly you got PCOS. Like you just, your hormones were predisposed to this type of condition. And right. maybe you have like sensitive testosterone receptors as one of my doctors said, which Mm -hmm. I think I still do, but it was, it's just a matter of like, what choices are you making that are either going to help or harm your metabolic hormones, like your insulin and stuff, because that insulin is going to trigger high testosterone and create this cascade effect of symptoms. And I hate that they don't explain that. And they just give you spironolactone or metformin and no one's saying, well, you know, metformin's for your blood sugar. And so what are you eating? Let's see if we can like fix it, you know? Right. Um, I know you're, you were young at the time, but like, who cares if someone told me at 16, I think I would listen. I was pretty desperate. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you know what, uh, this kind of crazy too. I was pretty much immediately told that I would like a hundred percent would have infertility issues and probably wouldn't be able to conceive on my own at oh. like that age. So I, in my head for 10 years just was like, well, I can't have kids. Like that was just in my head. And I remember telling my older sister, I guess she never knew because I was in college, I think that I mentioned it and she like got emotional and like teared up. And I was like, well, what? She's like, you're not going to be able to have kids. And I was like, I mean, I've just accepted at this point. And of course, I mean, I'm 33 and I'm not married. I don't have kids, but I'm like, I might have difficulties, but I'm like, I wish someone hadn't made it. So just like, it was just yeah. like, we're going to have trouble. And it it very much seemed like there's nothing you can really do about it. Isn't and, that crazy? It would yeah. only take you like three, six months, maybe a year 
to change the picture of your ovaries, change your hormonal condition and manage PCOS and be symptom free and, you know, ovulate. That's the problem with PCOS. Like we can't ovulate because we're struggling. We are struggling with a blood sugar issue or high testosterone. And that's creating a situation where your periods are irregular and you're not ovulating. But once you fix that, aren't you ovulating now? You can have kids. So like, what are you talking about? Like, why are people saying this? It makes me so mad. And what a waste of so many years to think that way and even maybe change the trajectory of your life, your career, what you had imagined your life was going to be, you know, like it's so sad. Right. And like, I've had that conversation with boyfriends before, Mm -hmm. like, and that's some people is a deal breaker. Yeah. The like I'm gonna have struggle having kids or I might not be able to have children. And of course, I'm not saying like any of those relationships might have worked out because I think they're in the past for a reason. But it's still it's that I mean, at some point uh, your significant other asks, why do you take these medications? Why, you know, what and like now it's a little bit different because I'm more so like I still take spironolactone as of now, but I don't take anything else. And, um, I mean, I'm, I'm on birth control, but that's really just cause I want to still do it. Not necessarily that I need to, but, um, but people be like, what do you take all that medication for? And you have to explain it. And then it's like, that makes those people think like, oh, well, well do I see a future with this person? If we're going to spend $20,000 on IVF or may not be able to have kids at all and adoptions extend. I mean, there's like all sorts of things that, like you said, it, and yeah. now I don't really have that. I have, I tell people that I have polycystic ovarian syndrome. I give them a rough idea. You know, it's a metabolic disorder. That's why I'm gluten-free, et cetera. But people typically don't bat an eye and I'm not over here. Like, and I might not be able to have kids. <laughs> like, yeah. So, but yeah, I would say well into my twenties. That was my, I mean, I started following you guys two years ago, maybe now, but really like the past year is when I really got started the program and all that. But up until then, I really was like way into my late 20s. Like, this is just life. This is just how it is. I I went keto for a while to lose weight, but I never like, I never had a doctor that said anything. And I moved to Florida in 2017 and got a new endocrinologist. And I I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I asked her about Ovacidol. I said, do you think I can stop metformin and, and try and give this a try? And she was like, I've never even heard of this. And I sent her some articles and she was like, let me talk. And so she ended up messaging me back and saying, yeah, it looks like it, it actually has some good research behind it. Like definitely give it a try. And so it's, I started that before I even started going gluten-free or um, joining the sisterhood or anything. Uh, So I've been off metformin for like a year and a half now. Wow. Wow. What was that change? Like when you, let's say when you got off metformin and you went to to Ovacetol, did you notice like a few different changes in terms of side effects and, and effectiveness? So I was really lucky with metformin. I never had any side effects from it. I'm, I'm, oh, my body does really good on medications. I, I really don't have allergies to any of them or anything like that. However, I did notice the biggest thing I noticed in positive was the cravings that were curbed. So mm-hmm. Ovacetol really, really, because I am like, Sugar is, I find freaking love sugar. <laughs> like every day, I craved it like all day, every day. And so I knew days when I missed taking the Ovacetol, I'd be like, oh, I didn't 
that's why I'm like, I'm like, oh my goodness, I would notice that. Um, I don't have, if I miss a day or a scoop here or there, I don't really get the cravings like I used to anymore, which is great. Yeah. Good. Um, yeah. But that was the biggest thing. I, uh, but I am lucky. I know a lot of people struggle with metformin and there's lots of really awful, annoying side effects that come from it. But I was on the max dose. I was on a thousand milligrams twice a day. Was wow. it was it the extended release? Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. I don't think so because it didn't have a special notation on there. Oh, okay. but um, I took it more a thousand milligrams in the morning, a thousand milligrams at night. And every time I went to my endocrinologist, they'd immediately be like, When's your last time you checked your blood sugar? And I'm like, I'm not diabetic. <laughs> like, because they'd see that medication and you think you're doing two thousand milligrams of blood wow. a day, you must have severe you know, diabetes, diabetic issues, high A1C. My A1C has never been abnormal. That's great. The fact that you are okay if you accidentally don't take Ovacetol and like your cravings don't immediately come back, that means that you're healing the insulin resistance instead of masking it, instead of ignoring it, instead of letting it turn into diabetes. You're doing the things that are actually stabilizing your metabolism. You're like putting the nuts and bolts back into the metabolic machine. And now it's working. And eventually you won't even need Ovastol. You can take it every once in a while. You can continue taking it, whatever you prefer, but your metabolism is going to start working properly to the point where like, you don't have to worry about it or think like, oh my God, I'm going to gain weight so easily. Like you're not because you healed your metabolism. So this is kind of funny on top of that. So my parents were in town visiting this past weekend and um, I took them, I took off work Friday and I took them to this little place. Um, I'm in Tampa. So I don't know if anybody is familiar, but Tarpon Springs is this area right outside Tampa. So I was like, my parents love beer. So I was like, well, I'll take you guys brewery hopping. But my dad's like, well, you're not going to be able to have anything. I was like, well, the one I might like take a sip of like when mom gets the samplers, I'll take a little taste or whatever, but I'll get something else. Like they always have other options. So that's what I did. And then we went to this Greek restaurant. So Tarpon Springs is a really big Greek community. And oh, so cool. they have phenomenal Greek food. Nice. So my dad was like, I said, well, I'm going to get the Euro platter. So I'm not going to have the pita. I was like, but I'm going to have baklava. (laughs) (laughs) How could you not? I was like, I can't not have it. Right. And my mom's like, oh, you, we, we, you got to try this. And so, you know, I I did okay. And then the next day, I kind of can't remember. Oh, that night, I think I had, I, I don't have any bread that's on the table ever though. Like I don't crave that anymore, which is nice. But I said to my mom, I said, oh yeah, like I got on the scale and now I'm up a couple pounds. But it's just because, you know, I'm holding on to some water weight from from eating, you know, from cheating, basically. So I was like, no sweat. And so I they left Monday and I I hopped on the scale. I usually I like to see how much I fluctuate because it actually is like nice reminder for me personally, like that I'm not gaining weight. You know, like some people, I wouldn't recommend that. Some people are so honed in on the number. It really can cause some trauma to get on and off too much. But for me, it's like a nice reminder on Monday and Friday. I'm like, oh, Monday, I maybe I gained a little bit. By Friday, I'm either back where I was or sometimes even lower. So it's like really nice for me. So I get on the scale Monday. Well, most of Saturday and all day Sunday, I was back on what I normally should do, even though I was still hanging out with my parents. My weight was exactly what it should have been on Monday, that it was before they came Thursday. And so my dad was like, how, how are you doing? I said, I saw I'm back to normal. I said, I knew I just needed like a day to get, you know, to be back to what I would, how I would normally eat and drink and 
you know, my water and supplements and this and that. And my mom was like that quick. And I was like, well, <laughs> usually it's a day or two. If it's not, I mean, I'm not, I didn't eat 15,000 calories on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You didn't so, eat a million calories to, you know, gain a bunch of weight. Yeah. Oh, that's right. so good. I love that. That's, Great story. I'm so glad you shared that. Yeah, it's exactly why we talk about like consistency versus perfection, because when you're consistent, it doesn't matter if you eat like if some of those things in between or on the weekends or anything like that. And also another reason why you shouldn't uh, track your weight every single day, like you were saying, it's triggering. And instead, tracking once a week or once a month, it just shows you the gradual progression you're having versus like day to day how your body's changing. So right. it's, yeah, that's really good. I, I know for I, I think for some people, the scale it, period, I mean, do it as little as possible, in, yeah. in my opinion. Like, I feel like I take measurements, um, I take pictures. Those are really where I'm looking. And like, and it's fun to send it to your friends who would like know you're on this journey and be like, look at this picture from two months ago. And then look at this picture from now. And like, that's fun. And I feel like, like I said, the scale doesn't bother me. I, I have a good, healthy relationship with the scale, but I don't think most people do. Yeah, And I think like, I see a lot of the girls and I feel really bad when they post like my, the scale hasn't moved in a month and that can be really frustrating, but I know sometimes the scale doesn't move in a month, but I'm an inch less on, you know, what my measurements and stuff like that. Um, and you just have to consider, especially considering what kind of workouts you're doing. If you're doing heavier weights and building muscle like I don't want to people shouldn't really use that as an excuse well I'm probably putting on muscle like don't be blind to it but that is there is there is some truth behind that you know if you're adding muscle while you're losing fat your the scale is not going to change absolutely one of the things we did in the app that I'm sure you know um, when you track your weight you can either weigh yourself or you can measure yourself yes and I think that's so important to keep track of your waist to hip ratio and see if it's getting better or worse, because essentially, if you measure your waist and the the app does the calculation, waist to hip mm-hmm. ratio calculation, if you measure that, then you see how much belly fat you're retaining and like around your waist. And that's right. really a reflection of your insulin resistance, of your inflammation, of your cortisol regulation. It's really like kind of like a report card of how your hormones are doing the places that the fat stores, you know, not just that you gained weight, where is it, you know? And I think that that is like a more accurate reflection of your metabolism and progress and the scale. Okay, cool. Like, yes, going down on the scale is fine, but sometimes it's going to go up and your waist is going to get thinner because you did a lower body workout and your muscles are like swollen. But like, your waist is being more trimmed and toned and that's what matters, you know? Right. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, exactly. And uh, in addition to like um, you making some swaps with metformin to avacitol, what were some other lifestyle changes that you made along, uh, along the way? And I think one question that we got a lot during the live was you mentioned that finding your carb tolerance was really helpful. Could you get insight on how you were able to do that and and how that made a difference? Yeah. So in my mid-20s, I, I finished grad school and I was working at um, a hospital. I think I mentioned I, my degree is in exercise science. So I have a tiny advantage, I think, in some ways as far as like knowing how all of this kind of works for the most part. I worked with a lot, a lot of diabetic patients and I kind of relate to that. But my best friend and I decided to go um, paleo. 
And so we did this three week challenge and it was no alcohol, no grains, you know, no sugar. And, you know, we did it together and it was great. And, and during that time, part of what that program that we ended up doing at the time was, was tracking your carbs and find it. She didn't call it a carb tolerance, but that's essentially what we were doing. So I started, and this is kind of how I explain when I see, when I used to work in the field and see patients is track your meals for a week. Don't change anything about your diet. Just track your meals for a week. Look at your macro breakdown. I can pretty much guarantee anybody that needs to lose weight is consuming an excessive amount of carbs. Not that you're having like, oh, like, uh, you know, I'm talking about like 300 grams or more. Like I think carbs add up so quickly and you just don't even realize it. So like a a drink, some of these drinks at 7-Eleven have 30 to 40 grams of carbs in them. Yeah. I mean, you could have two Gatorades and you're already at 100 carbs. So- I started, I tracked, and I don't remember what the number was, but it was probably somewhere around 200 grams a day is what I was taking in. So I cut that, I started tracking for the next week, um, trying to hit 150. And then I think I trimmed it back to 100, maybe somewhere in right in between. And I took probably almost two months to actually figure it out, but I dropped down to about 50 grams of carbs. And I noticed my workouts because I was doing really high intensity stuff. I was harder. exhausted. Yeah. I like couldn't get through the workouts as well. Now I will say now I'm down to about 50 grams of carbs now, but because I'm not doing those high intensities, I, it's, I, it's actually really good. It, I, yeah. Right. Where I do like this under 60, but um, at the time I was like, well, this is way too low. So I worked my way back up and then right around that two, three month mark is when I decided 90 to like 120 was kind of my sweet spot. And I would lose, I was losing weight, but I was not feeling fatigued. Um, now, of course, I think in the first week or two, you're going to feel a little more tired when you mess with macros, no matter what way you go, even going crazy high protein that can happen, but um, you have to get over it to get past that. But I found the hundred right around hundred was like perfect. And so I was probably, that was probably like, I don't know, 26, 27. And since then, even though I knew nothing else about how to treat my symptoms or reverse anything, I stuck with that as my, like, where I should be about. Now, of course, everybody has slumps. I had several months where I fell back into, screw it, I'm going to do it and eat whatever I want. I've always worked out though. So I've always been like, I've done sprint triathlons. I was a rower. I was a soccer player. Like, always done sports. I did flag football. And at one point in my twenties, I was playing soccer like four days a week and then football. on Saturdays. So like, I always fell back on that, like, well, I'm exercising. But then when you, when I had time to really like look at myself and be like, okay, well, I'm really not happy with myself. I'm like, well, it's not because I'm not working out. (laughs) Yeah. And that's where I know Talene, you guys bring this up a lot is like your family and your friends. Like I've had more than one friend or boyfriend be like, well, you just need to exercise more and eat less. And it's like, I've been doing that. <laughs> Do I really? What if you had an app for PCOS that could tell you what to eat, when to work out, and how to track your goals every day? Introducing the Sisterhood app. Not only does the Sisterhood app give you access to the largest community of women with PCOS, but it also provides you with a daily PCOS plan. 
Your daily PCOS plan tells you exactly what to eat for each meal of the day. It's like having me as a dietitian in your pocket. It also sends you a notification when it's time to work out, and it provides step-by-step videos to help you reverse your biggest PCOS symptoms. You also get access to 100-plus gluten and dairy-free recipes, the 5 Steps to PCOS Weight Loss Masterclass, and a full PCOS-friendly workout library to choose from. But let's not forget the most crucial component of PCOS weight loss, the support. You're not alone. In the sisterhood, you become part of the largest community of PCOS women where you can chat with us in our private Facebook group. Sirak, myself, and your fellow sisters are in there every day to answer your questions and support you along the way. So what are you waiting for? You can head over to the App Store and search Sisterhood or click the link in the description to get started today. See you in there. You think that eat less and like work out more thing is like slowly going to go away because it's obviously not the answer when you look at certain conditions like PCOS. It's completely hormonal. And we were just at a conference, PCOS Con, like a week ago. Yeah, I and saw we, that. We, we heard a doctor, one of the doctors was a male doctor, and we won't mention his name or anything like that. But he literally, I don't even know his name, to an audience of women with PCOS, told them it's not hard to lose weight with PCOS. You're actually not doing yourself a favor by not like he was literally shaming some of the women who asked questions and telling them like oh why have you waited so long you should have done this already it's it's your responsibility it's your fault that you haven't done this or saying things like you know it's it's not any harder for you to lose weight than it is for me saying things like this and like oh no it was, it was crazy it, my mom we were all the whole there. audience so everyone was like what well, the heck is this no the everyone sitting in the chairs who have pcos and are struggling and are there to learn something we're all upset and listening to him crying and like some of them were crying and some of them no one was like oh no what is he saying because no one knew that he's you know, this is wrong i feel like that's really and, bad for the pcos con too yeah and then because so now PCOS, a lot of these people are going to be like well i'm not going back to that yeah well the event coordinator was like shaking her head yeah she was shaking her head me and my family we were in the back and my mom was like get him off the stage <laughs> Not out loud. In our Your meeting, mom like actually. runs up there and takes him down. <laughs> I know. We were all just like gasping, like in horror. But yeah, I actually I mean, don't think that the audience members were like, I'm not going to come. This is terrible. I think they were like used to that. Like, this is how they have been true. treated I mean, for I, so I, long. Yeah. No shocker here. Like, but we're you, the ones shocked. You think in that setting, though, you have allies? And people that understand, right? And so when you're going to get information from someone who you are, I mean, in a sense, looking up to, to have them tell you the same thing a hundred other people have told you is very discouraging. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but uh, you know, when I went on the stage after him, I actually just thought of this. I should have told the uh, girl who was um, introducing all of the new speakers, I should have been like, excuse me. Can you actually call that man to come in oh, and listen no, to my lecture? <laughs> oh, I would have done it if I thought of it. Mm. I don't want him to miss this. <laughs> I don't want him to miss this. I would say yeah. it really politely, but I yeah. actually would have said it. Yeah. And then there was this whole turf war between us and him. This okay. Is- well, then we would have won the turf war. <laughs> where was the, um, where was it? The con, the conference at? Long Beach. Yeah. Long Beach, California, okay. like Los Angeles area. Oh, yeah. Wow. I'm actually, I'm headed out there in two weeks my sister lives in oceanside oh nice um, and so i'm actually i'm going to be out for a work conference and i'm spending time in san diego and oceanside and then i'll be in ontario 
for oh, a amazing. couple days. Yeah. Amazing. Anyway. Yeah, definitely message us while, while you're here. If, if we're available, we'd love to get together, you know, do, do some yeah. sort of or coordinate something. Yeah, for sure. But uh, um, uh, just going back to what we were talking about, the carb tolerance, um, I, we love like, and I love, and I'm sure time would agree, love how that happened for you. Of course, like for some people, when you go, when you start like this three week, like challenge with a friend, it's really helpful for some people. It's maybe triggering as well. So we want to, of course, warn everybody that like, it's not for everyone, but it is always a great way to partner with somebody, your friend and start some sort of a challenge, whether that's paleo gluten dairy free or anything for that matter that you feel is helpful for you and just gauge how it's going but what i love what you did during that time was really test out those carb ranges you know finding out what's the maximum like oh like 200 was too much for me so lowering down to 150 and then to 90 to 120 and then figuring out if that's the right zone for you that's that's the key way to do it and that's exactly how like when we do our carb tracker in the app, it's essentially like it takes you like step by step to do the same exact thing. So it's awesome that you were already doing that before us and just kind of finding like the per perfect way to kind of find your carb tolerance for your body. So great job. Thanks. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it, it made this transition like a lot easier, I guess, because so I started with you guys in um, December 26th. I think I mentioned that I was like, I started the day after Christmas. And everyone's like, why don't you wait till after New Year's? And I was like, there's no day like today. Like I, <laughs> I am a big proponent in like, you don't have to wait till Monday. You yeah. don't have to wait till that. next year. Like just start. And if you make a mistake, it's okay. It's not that it's not going to be the end of the world. So I started December 26th, gluten-free. And that was, and, and I will say my boyfriend at the time was super supportive. He ate gluten-free with me when we were, anytime we were together, when we would go to restaurants, he would make sure any appetite, we would find an appetizer that I could have. Like that nice. was really awesome and very helpful because, you know, there'd be times when he would have gluten and I would always be like, it's, it's kind of like, I guess that whole, like, if you're dating someone who stops drinking, it's like, well, I don't want to drink around you. I want to support you and, and make it easier. But at some point, you know, you kind of get to the point where you're like, no, you can do whatever yeah, yeah. I'm good but that was very helpful um and then you know I lost a good amount of weight and then I kind of um I will say I've maintained really well and I think a lot of that has to do with that I already had the carb tolerance figured out so I I'm gluten-free I still like my my carbs you know here and there like it fluctuates but for the most part I stick to a certain like I know how to eat for most days but so if I have go above and beyond a day or here or there it's not a big deal I, I'm like mostly like I don't like to even call it a plateau because sometimes I'm just not trying as hard like I'm not really working as hard so and that's what you want in maintenance and like when you think about a lifestyle change so we all think about like you don't want to be on a diet you want to have a lifestyle change and that's what gluten-free dairy-free all of that is it's it's something that's it's totally manageable I didn't realize how manageable it was going to be when I first started I was it was really daunting to me and um like I said I followed you guys for probably a year before that and I just kept being like well this I don't need to be gluten-free like I can just I can I continue to just tell myself like I can just do it on my own I can figure it you know and it's so doable so doable that like the gluten like I said if it slips in here there no big deal but I know my carb tolerance and I go gluten-free and like I just recently went dairy-free Oh, so nice. maybe like a month or two ago, again, dairy slips in here and there. I accidentally yeah. ordered a latte the other day and I forgot to tell them almond milk. And That's I was like, people pleaser in me. I'm not going to be like, can you remake this? <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't. But um, I just think that you have to take, you have to be patient, really, yeah. really be patient and be like, I want all the women to be like 
really just easy on themselves. Like, I feel like women and everybody, men too, but in, we're talking about the polycystic. So are just so hard on themselves. They don't give themselves enough time to see changes. They don't give themselves a break for making, you know, doing, so. I, I don't want to say a mistake because it's not really a mistake, but, you know, going off of your quote unquote diets, you need to figure out how to do this and still live a happy, functional life and enjoy life. And I just think women are just so hard on themselves. And I just want everybody to kind of sit back and like, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. I mean, just like everybody else, like I feel we all want that instant gratification, the instant results. And with, when it comes to body and and time, you know, better than me, of course, and everybody listening when it comes to like to the body and hormones and how things fluctuate, especially for women too, because unlike men, you're on like a, a monthly cycle and especially a three-month cycle because that's how long it takes for the follicles to produce an egg. So it takes usually three months of consistency to see hormonal changes. Whereas men, we're on, and this is, this is just based on science, I'm not making this up, but men are on like a 24-hour hormone cycle. So it's like when we make changes, it can change up our hormones and, and health a little bit faster compared to how it is with women. But that just goes to show like how much more important it is for um, women to kind of know this information, be more aware and get the right tools to start making those changes like for that time. And, you know, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Well explained. I feel like that's totally overlooked. And we just want instant results. But we don't realize we have a 28 day cycle to think about. Right, for sure. I mean, everyone's guilty of that, right? Like, wouldn't it be great to, you know, I think, especially women that are probably married, they compare themselves to their husband's ability to lose weight. And it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. on a diet for a month and he's lost 10 pounds and I've gained three. <laughs> like, <sighs> and, and it's like, you got to just give yourself more time. And if, if this is any trajectory of this, so I'm down from December 26, 18 pounds this year. Amazing. Um, and that is not, a, you know, 18 pounds is a lot of weight. But if people are hoping it's going to happen, I mean, that's nine months, you know, I will say, like I said, I had a plateau where I maintained for probably two months versus like really trying to lose. But um, my goal for the year was to be down to lose. I think it ended up it was 23 pounds was my goal weight from where I started. So I'm four or five pounds away from my goal in September. And so it's like I'm. If you asked me in February if I'd be happy with 18 pounds in September, I probably would have been like, well, I hope it's more than 18 pounds in by September. But I look back now and I'm like, man, that's a lot of weight. Yeah. And that's, you know, and it's pretty much on par with how you should lose it. It might be a little bit more if you do like a full pound a week, obviously. But, um, you know, if you're looking losing zero to a half a pound every week, it's like pretty, pretty much there. And so I'm like very happy with myself. And I think the extra four or five pounds is doable before the end of the year. If I yeah, can change, especially dairy you know. free. Well, that's it. Yeah. And that's like, it was funny because when I said I weighed myself after my, you know, two days at, at when my parents were here, I was like, oh man, like if, if I can like be back to my, like, you know, flush out all the crap in one day and be back, like I, I should be able to lose these last five pounds in the next two months. Easy. That, that's yeah. my mentality now where I feel like it wouldn't have been that way before. And of course I'm not really working out right now, but I'm like, it's okay. I can, you know, I'm doing, I'm still active. I'm not sitting around doing nothing, but just that's keep true. an eye on my, I just keep an eye. I can, I still track my macros. I find it helps me. I, mine's more so for protein goals at this point than carb. Yeah. But 
I find that like, even though I know pretty much what I should have in a day, tracking still is a very effective tool, I feel. Right. Yeah, I agree. I, I really feel like tracking helps a lot of people, including myself when it comes to the same thing. I track my protein and my carbs just to make sure I'm in like a good protein to carb ratio. And sometimes right. even make sure I get enough carbs on days that I lift. So I totally agree. But for some people, it may be triggering. It may be like, oh, I don't want to track everything. It's too much pressure, too much stress, which we totally understand. So right, definitely individual to each person. I, and I also think, time if you're going to touch on the, the, the weight loss progression, or are you going to say something about that? Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say too, like, I feel like your pace is actually perfect because like when you lose weight really fast by doing drastic things, I think we all know that it's more than likely going to come back. We hope not, but it's just like if like, for example, I'll, I'll, I'll give like a like an exercise example. Like, for example, if somebody was to try to gain muscle naturally and they spend years and years at the gym trying to gain muscle and muscle and muscle, and let's say after three years, they have like the muscle they wanted, right? If they stop working out for a couple of weeks, even a month, more than likely, they're going to retain majority of their muscle gains. But if somebody was to, let's say, take steroids and get that same amount of muscle in just like two, three, four months, which is people do that, then right. when this, the second they stop taking steroids, all the muscles are going to go away in like a, a few weeks to a month. It's just what happens to so many bodybuilders and so many um, uh, people. So it's like kind of like the same thing is if you do something really drastic and you lose a lot of weight, unfortunately because it's not sustainable when you stop it it may come back because you didn't treat the root cause but when you treat the root cause you focus on supplements you focus on diet lifestyle sensitivities everything then like you lose weight a little bit slower but it almost like stays off without you like stopping anything that makes sense yeah especially the way you're doing it you're healing your metabolism along the way you're not just like putting a quick fix Um, And that's what's really going to give you long-term results and prevent symptoms of PCOS, not just weight loss, but like all the symptoms that come with PCOS, you're like handling them little by little, like every single day and just making your metabolism stronger. Yeah. I will tell you guys, one, I wanted to mention this real quick. I love the metabolism plus supplements. Oh, you do? Oh, it's so amazing. So yeah, it's been great. They've been awesome. And I, um, so I've been taking, I think, well, that was a month ago. So probably, yeah, I've probably been doing a good 30 days of them. I messaged Talim because they, my delivery guy put them somewhere I would never would have looked. And oh. so I was like waiting and waiting. And then one day I looked, I was like, what the heck is this? And I found them. So, but it was oh, good. But they've been awesome. I really, really like them. And so I was like excited because I think I mentioned, I was like, oh, I've been wanting to try them, but I had all these bottles of other supplements that I bought. So I finally, I'm probably about 30 days in, into those. Nice. It's been great. Oh, I'm so excited. Tell yeah. us about your progress in like the next couple of months. Yeah. Weight loss progress with that in combination with dairy free, like, I'm so curious if you're going to hit your goal in the next couple of months. I know I'm like, I am, I'm even more driven now because I'm like, it's, you know, I'm so close to there. And of course, like I was telling my friend, I was like, you know, if I get to that goal, I'm not stressed about staying there necessarily. Although I think I will, because I think I maintained after my first big loss pretty well, but I was like, cause I, I do have some goals of like putting on a little bit more muscle. And so I understand like the numbers are going to fluctuate, but I'm like, like I said, I thought like, I think of at the beginning of the year, I thought I was going to like already be there. And, but now I'm like, oh, I'm so close. I'm so close. And it's like, I feel like I've done it the best way I've done it at any time I've ever quote unquote dieted over the years. It's, this has seemed the most sustainable. And like, when I have told, um, when I got down to like, I think I lost like 16 pounds and then I sort of just like, 
I don't, I don't want to say like, I just wasn't focused exactly on the carbs and exactly on everything. And so, and I, I didn't gain anything. I just didn't lose anything. And I was like, well, this is great. Like, that's ultimately what we want, right? I want to be able to, to get to my goal or where is appropriate for my body, um, which might not always be everybody's goal, which should keep that in mind too. Like mm-hmm. some bit, like if you do my BMI, I should be like 130 pounds. And I can tell you that's never going to happen. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, BMIs are so so like no, no, inaccurate and like doesn't take into consideration I, individuals. I, it's just like it, it, I can't believe doctors still use it. Like I, we record it in our physicals that we do, but I never even bring it up. I don't even mention the number. The only time we used to do skinfold caliber body fats, so the only time I might mention a BMI would be if someone has a lot of like um, visceral fat. So I'm not able to measure that with my calipers. So their body fat's like 21%, but they're like 300 pounds. And I'm like, okay, well, and that's where waist to hip, honestly, is like, in my opinion, more ideal than doing body fat percentage like that, um, because you're getting an adipose and all of that tissues, different types of body frames. So that's what I usually do. Well, I'll just recommend a waist measurement for men and females. Like, you know, risk factors, I think is under 40 for men and under 35 inches for women puts you at a lower risk to get like metabolic syndrome and and things like that. But body fat percentage is not always ideal. I did get a DEXA scan. I don't know if I told you guys that. I'm so interested in that because I might do one in about a month. You should do it. I, so it was a little depressing because I was way higher yeah. than I thought it was. But, but then I was like pumped to get another one in six months. I was like, oh, I'm going to do another one in six months from that one and see where I'm at because I really think uh, it'll be a big difference. But um, what does it tell you? So a DEXA is basically, you know, they've always said underwater weighing is like the gold standard for body fat percentage. It's the most accurate way to measure muscle and fat and give you an accurate body fat. So DEXA is a new age version of that. And it's essentially an x-ray. And the x-ray is able to separate out your bone, your muscle, and your fat. Um, and so you lay down and they it scan your whole body. And it's really weird because when you're laying down, a lot of your body tissue spreads out a little bit. So oh. when you get that picture of your body, it's a little wider than you want to see. <laughs> but keep in mind that you're laying down. <laughs> so the machine can actually also tell your bone density, which was really interesting because my bone density is like fantastic, which okay. is great news for women, especially as we get older, obviously, like really prone to osteoporosis and whatnot. Yeah. So it'll tell you your bone density. It'll tell you your muscle percentage and then your fat percentage. And then it also breaks it down into like what percentage of fat is on your arms, what percentage is in your stomach, on your hips, on your, and it, it's like, I'll have to, I could send you my report so you can see it. It really breaks everything down into muscle and fat. And like I said, my, the body fat percentage, the the guy laughs because I, he showed it to me and I said, oh my gosh, I'm fat. And he was like, that's really not that bad. And I was like, well, it's bad considering I thought I was like 10% less than this. And, but it's like, it really, I mean, it might not be good for some people, but for me, it was like, okay, like now I'm like, I'm pumped. Like I'm ready to like, cause I, I'm like, I, I know like where I should be. I know for women, you know, under 30 typically percent body fat is where you want to be. And I will tell you on my scale at home, my BIA scale, I'm like 31 so if you go by that, I'm right around where I should be. Dexa showed me a little bit higher. 
but um but yeah it's really interesting because it just i'm kind of a data geek a little bit so it was like really need to see the breakdown and i was like all right i'm gonna do it in six months and then i'm gonna do it again in a year and if if nothing you know in six months i think there should be a difference but then after that it would be more i'm hopefully maintaining my or increased muscle mass maybe you know and decreasing body fat still because like i said i don't really care about the weight at that point but i would like to see that body the mass you know lean muscle mass increase Um, i think it's it's so interesting yeah, because you can you can also see like like you were saying you can see which body parts have have the let's just say which uh the most fat, but also you can right. see like okay your quads let's say grew by two pounds of muscle. You know if you're yeah. really focusing on your leg workouts and things like you can be like oh your biceps grew by you know x amount of muscle. So like you kind of know based on your workout routine which body parts are getting more muscle, which ones are kind of the same or a little bit less, and you can change up your routine accordingly. And just yeah like. More sometimes for I'm the same way. The more data, the better for me. Some people yeah. get overwhelmed by it. They're like, "What do I do with all this information?" You know. So it's like, like I got this whoop thing, this this whoop device, and yeah. it tells me everything, like how I'm sleeping, how how hard my workouts are. The first thing I realized was, I mean, I've been talking about this for years, but I realized I'm working out too much. Like every day, I'm thing tells me you're overreaching, you're overreaching. Stop working out, you know. So it's just like I just listened to one of your podcasts where that came up, and I guess it was like you were being stressed out about conversations about the house, maybe. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) It thought that I was working out because we were having not even an argument. It was just like kind of like a. Just a oh, conversation about something about the house. Discussion. Yeah, but it wasn't like arguing. I was yeah. cracking up. I was in my car driving and I was like, this is honestly, it was like a very much like, this is the real, what people want from the podcast is like the real, you know, like, like the real stuff filtered in with the educational stuff. I was yeah. And, up. and it'll tell you when you have like a stress event. And like, this is hilarious. <laughs> I, I mean, my mom won't listen to this, but we, we got to her house. And after 10 minutes being there, it was like my stress level spiked up. This, this Literally the minute I got to the house. It was so funny. <laughs> oh, that would be, I'd like to wear that to work, I think. <laughs> yeah. No, it's really useful. The only thing that's annoying about it, it doesn't count steps, which like, I don't really care about steps per se, but it would be good to know like how many, how much distance am I like covering every single day? That's the yeah. only annoying thing. I don't know why they don't include it, but yeah. I like it a lot. And for like anyone interested too, it's kind of like, it's very, it's not cheap, but what it is, it's that you only pay for the subscription. You don't pay for the device. So you pay like $25 a month um, only, but you have to sign up for six months minimum. And then if they have a new device that comes out, they send you the device for free because you're not paying for the device. Right. That's cool. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Like a model that they have. So it's not like, because like if you get the aura ring, it's like $500 or something, you know, to like all at once. Yeah. So that's like where I feel like it's a little bit more affordable, but yeah, like if you use it forever, then it's going to add up a little bit. Um, You mentioned steps and I wanted to bring this up to you. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm talking too much, but no, no, no. Um, Talene, I know you've done a step challenge on Facebook before. Have you heard there's an app? I'm trying to remember what it's called where you can do like, and maybe people wouldn't be interested, but I think some people would. You basically, it's a competition and you actually can win money for walking. And so like I did it with a podcast group that I'm in and everybody put in $10 and every week you had to walk, you had to meet the goal, like, and the the app sets the goal based on your activity. So me and like Talene might not have the same goal, 
Um, so like mine might be 12,000 steps four times a week and hers might only be 10,000 steps four times a week. It, they, it gauges off of what your normal like walking average is. And then it goes on for like six weeks. And every week, if you don't make the goal, you get, you dropped. And if you make it, you move on. And at the end, everyone that made it gets to split the pot. So like, I only made like $6, I think is what it was, you know, like, but, or maybe it was $12 because I put in tens and I, and I was one of the winners. So I made like 12, I made my money back in $2 that really not the point, but it was like this, like, I don't want to get booted. I don't want to get booted. And so, and they allow you to do one skip. I think it's like a save. So like, if you don't make it one, one day or something like that, you can like save yourself. It was pretty interesting. I can, I'll find the app name for you. Yeah. Tell me the um, name. I'm so down. I would get yeah. all my friends into it. Make everyone put in like a hundred dollars. Well, that's what I was like. I was like, let's do more than 10. Cause I was motivated with 10, but I didn't, I was like, I was, I mean, it sounds bad, but I'd be like, Oh, and you can see everyone's activity. And I'm like, Oh, maybe that girl that walks 150,000 steps a week is not going to make it this week. <laughs> but what if, what if their goal is like, really feasible and yours isn't like what if they're like i just want to so walk 2000 steps they, a day you don't for- get to pick it the mm-hmm. app creates it for you based on your the phones like when you when you're you know your health app already tracks oh, your steps your data. It, it it does it for you Oh, wow. so it tells you like, looks like you're making 5,000 steps a day regularly. So your goal is going to be like six or 7,000. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it definitely oh, pushes you because my goal, I oh, think. I'm so down. So I think it was four days of like a normal goal and one day of a super goal. And so the super goal was like 12,000 steps for me. And the normal day was like 9,912, something really random. And oh, throughout the day, it shows you where you're at. So like, I mean, I would go, come home from work and like throw my bag and just be like hustling down the road. <laughs> One night I walked around my house for 10 minutes inside my house That's because so I was funny. like, I got to get to the goal. <laughs> And so, and, and I, you know, I think that even without money, people would do it, but the thought of getting kicked out is really what, yeah. you're like, I don't want to, I don't want, want to lose out and everybody can like comment and like give each other props in the app and stuff like that. I'll find the name of it for you. Find yeah. Me. It sounds like, it's just, I want to make sure I understood it right. So everybody gives, let's just say everybody puts in $10. If you get dropped out, you lose your $10. And then Correct. whoever stays till the end, they get like an extra, like, let's just say $15 if they win what if or if we, they stay. Yeah. So if us three did it and we all gave $10 and like, I didn't get, make it, you two would split $30. Wow. Yeah. So okay. you'd get 15 a piece because you split the pot. So in all reality, everyone could make it to the end. Football. Yeah. Everyone could make it to the end and everyone just gets their money back or if you're a little cynical, I don't like that. you'll hope people don't make it to the end. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping no one makes it to the end. I'm, I'm going to be outside with a bat breaking people's legs, you know? <laughs> like Tony no, Harding. Like, I think my group was only Tony. like 10 people did it. So I'm like, how fun that. would that be if we had like 100 people doing it? And ever, and $10 is like easy, right? Like that's yeah, And yeah. then, of course, like that money I want is I think still in the app. So like I can put it towards another walk. Or I can have it like sent to me via PayPal or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But I gotta, That's I gotta look up the app because the app is obviously not in my phone anymore because I just searched for it. But it, 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 I think it would be really fun. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 
it's like gambler's paradise too you know for anyone who's into gambling it's just like perfect. Well, the thing is like i i'm not a gambler per se but like i do fantasy football and like i've i go to you know if i'm out in vegas i'm gonna hit a roulette table here yeah, and yeah. There. but but um it's just i think that little extra motivator it's like yeah, and for me it's more competition than it is the money because i'm just a competitive person but for some people it might be like i really would like to have some money <laughs> i what a fun like activity oh my god i'm so down yeah as soon as you tell me the name i'm yeah, telling I'm gonna, everyone I'm gonna, i know it's in my this other facebook or this podcast group i'm in so i because that's i was like randomly was like yeah i'll do that um, yeah, it's also a really good idea to put in as a feature for the sisterhood like obviously not the money portion but like the kind of having like leaderboard for steps and kind yeah. of like keeping track of how many steps each person has you know that's cool yeah yeah for i think anything like another example i go some my friend does is a spin instructor and i've gone to several different spin places when they have the leaderboard I work my butt off. Oh yeah, yeah. When they don't have a leaderboard, I still work hard. But I am so like, oh, that person thinks they're faster and hard, working harder than me. Not today. And like, <laughs> <laughs> Not today. I think that's the power of community. Honestly, like that's why commu- people love community. You know, whether it's with working out, training, with PCOS, like having that community around you. I, of course, it's not always for competition, but I think like our human nature is like when we see other people doing it. You want to do it with them, maybe do a little bit better, you know, just at least do it with them is like the main goal. So I think that's really good. Yeah. Well, and like I said before, my, that friend and I that did that challenge or whatever, that was like, uh, we think, I think about this all the time. She's my best friend. She, and she lives in Maryland where I originally am from, from outside Baltimore. And I live in Tampa now. And we talk on the phone and I'm like, I just miss the days when we just did everything together, including our diets. (laughs) And it's just like, was something for us one to hold each other accountable but two like we worked out together we cooked together like it was a camaraderie type of thing right that explains why you have a baltimore ravens image in the back i was gonna be like you're from tampa but not uh you know that that makes sense now it makes sense (laughs) yeah no not a bucks fan i don't dislike them but not a bucks fan i actually live right by the stadium i can walk there really oh that's pretty cool yeah amazing well, Rebecca, before we go, um, just want to ask you one more thing, which is if there, for any listeners that are listening, is there any like words of inspiration you want to give them? Maybe like something that's either one to two sentences that like for anyone who's either struggling or just starting, like what would you want them to know before they get on that journey? Oh, I wish you had prepped me before that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think I kind of said it a little bit throughout. It's to like, just give yourself a break. Like, put your head down and do the work. You're not going to see results without putting some work in, but don't let it consume your entire life. Mm -hmm. Like you really got to let yourself make a mistake and, and enjoy life, but there is a little bit of work involved. Yeah. So I think balance maybe, you know, we talk about work life balance a lot. So maybe life health balance is a good way to look at it. Yeah, another way is like focus on being consistent, not being perfect, you know, every single day, every single week. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I've been, what, I'm 33. So it's been, you know, what, 20 or 17 years of trying to figure this all out. Yeah. That's, so, that's the thing, too. Like you're still, you're still so young. And it's just a reminder, too. Like it's not a, it's not a um, sprint, it's a marathon with PCOS because right. it is, it's a lifelong condition, which means, though, that it can be reversed and put into remission. But you have your whole life and there's no rush to, do everything perfectly all at once. It's like you were saying, take that one step, whether it's 
you know, walking a certain amount of steps or if it's cutting out maybe sodas or things like that, like you said, it's just that one step into that right direction. Yep. Great Amazing. job, Rebecca. You're such an inspiration. Thank you so much for oh. coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It was our time. pleasure. It was our pleasure. And thank you to all our listeners. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, have a great week. Bye. Do you know what the most researched supplement for PCOS is? Yes, inositol. But do you know that not all inositols are the same? Hush your mouth. The latest research on PCOS women uses inositol with a ratio of 40 to 1 myo and d chiro inositol with a daily dosage of 4,000 milligrams. Well, I declare. But here's the problem. A lot of inositols out there do not use the 40 to 1 ratio and many do not have a daily dosage of 4,000 milligrams. So that one month supply of inositol you bought may last half the time if you take the clinical dosage. Heavens to Betsy! Well, hold your horses, cowboy. <laughs> That's why I love Ovacetol. It comes in a ratio of 40 to 1, myo and d chiro inositol, and it provides a daily dosage of 4,000 milligrams. It also comes in a three-month supply. And best of all, it's the only NSF-certified 40 to 1 inositol, so you know that it's been third-party tested for purity and accuracy. Well, butter my backside and call me a biscuit. Head over to ovafit.org to order your Ovacetol today with our special 15% off promo. You can also find the link in the show description. Well, I declare. Okay, that's enough. Thank God I'm out of freezes. <laughs> <laughs>